0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. We're going to be previewing the Premier League weekend as Manchester United take on Chelsea in what is going to prove to be a pivotal clash in the top four. Um, I'm Aaron Flanagan in the hot seat looking ahead to all the Premier League action uh, alongside Jack Rathborn. You're back. Second podcast.
1: Indeed, yeah. Quick fire. Double. yeah, uh, yeah, off to a good start. eh? Two in a week. Two in a week.
0: Indeed. Uh, Mr Reliable, we didn't bin you off uh, Mm. after the Carabao Cup podcast which we recorded. Ibrahim uh, Mustafa is back with us as well. How are you doing, Ibra?
2: Howdy, Aaron. Yep,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, so let's start with Man United-Chelsea. We'll go back onto the other fixtures um, a, bit, a little bit later on this podcast. Um, United-Chelsea, big game, huge game for both teams actually, um, especially as United are entering a very pivotal month uh, with this game and the game against Liverpool coming up. Uh, but things aren't, are still not quite right for United, I think that's the the fairest way to say it and uh, Paul Pogba seems to be at the centre of um, kind of a lot of the debates and arguments he's not quite um, he's not quite fitting in at United I think that's the, the the fairest way to say it is it?
2: Yeah I think it's um, one of those ones Jose Mourinho has, has just decided now that this is it this Pogba's not his player now and he's you know he's making it quite public that he doesn't see him fitting into what he's trying to do there Which is really bizarre, considering how much money and time and investment they did to what they did to try and get him back into the team, into the squad last, into Manchester United last season. You'd have thought, okay, you know, now they're going to try and do what they can to get the best out of him, which clearly hasn't happened.
0: Sure, surely you should be building a team around a player like him, as opposed to trying to fit him into this kind of very rigid system that he's got. It's uh, it's kind of a bit awkward that. (laughs) They're gonna to willing to willingly spend ninety odd million pounds, whatever they spent on him, and just kind of say,
1: "Well, you, know, you don't work." Yeah. Surely they should be trying to merge him in. To an extent, I think a special player like Pogba deserves to be built around. That said, I don't think you can omit any, any criticism from him. He's a world class player, and that, and that said, he, he does need to contribute, even if it isn't on his preferred left side of a three. In uh, in midfield, I think he's got all the attributes to work in a slightly deeper role, maybe just behind the striker. So I'd like to see Pogba knuckle down a little bit more and produce in a less favourable role. Um, Mourinho is certainly... There, there is something there. He's, he's said that there isn't, but we can clearly see that there is. You don't leave a player like Pogba out of a Champions League game, um, if, there's, if, if all is well. Uh, Scott McTominay is... He's a prospect, he's um he's a hard working player and he he'd take on instructions pretty well from Mourinho, it's 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 clear, but he's not the player Paul Pogba is and I think Mourinho's got a big few months ahead. He signed that new deal, but let's not forget Pogba's not integrated perfectly yet and Alexis Sanchez is very early days, but we haven't seen him seamlessly transition into Mourinho's side either, so it's all is not well but while there's still much to achieve for United I think Sunday's massive and a loss to Chelsea would potentially bring disaster and a and a scrap for a top four finish yeah
2: it turns into well we always talk about relegation six pointers I mean this is a top four six pointer mm-hmm. isn't it you know Chelsea win and mm-hmm. then they're level on points aren't they yeah so, level on points and yeah. then Manchester United are suddenly under pressure depending on the results elsewhere mm-hmm. you know it could be Like you say, a really big few months coming up for Mourinho because you know what at the start of the season everyone expected them to be pushing City for the title, and now they are embroiled in a battle just to stay in those positions for Champions League qualification. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, United's next fixtures, I say after Chelsea in in the league anyway, is Crystal Palace away, which we all know is never, never an easy place to go, and I'm sure a place where you know United have struggled in the past, Uh, and then they play Liverpool. And you know that it's a real critical few weeks for Mourinho for United, especially considering I think the four, only four, four maybe five points difference between them and Tottenham. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, four uh, points
0: at the moment. You know, four mm-hmm. points and Tottenham a, a fifth, United a second. That mm-hmm. just proves just how how tight That's it tight, is. Yeah. Um, from Chelsea's perspective, going mm-hmm. into this game, um, it's all gone a little bit quiet. There was a lot of, uh, I mean, may, maybe getting a half decent result against Barcelona has relieved a little bit of pressure mm-hmm. on Antonio Conte, but. Um, yeah, It just seems like it's slightly more relaxed than it was a couple of weeks ago at Stamford Bridge.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's uh, certainly helped that they had a couple of nice gimme fixtures uh, leading up to that Barcelona game. Uh, easy wins against West Brom and Hull. But you saw in that performance against Barcelona, any talk of hostility in the in the changing room, uh, a lack of harmony between contentious players is well it seems like it's nonsense because those players took everything on board they produced a superb performance and they were what one mistake away from taking a a very unlikely one nil lead to the new camp in the second leg of that tie I think Conte got his tactics spot on in that that tie which strengthens his um his position at Chelsea I think it it shows that he may leave, um, there may be a better politician that could come in as the manager of first team head coach um, at Chelsea, but it's going to be very difficult to get an equally good tactician and that's what Conte is. So in the big games he hasn't quite been as strong in the last six months or so as he was in that sort of phenomenal 13 game win streak last season, but Sunday's huge, They can they can sort of cement that positive streak and Move into an equally difficult run of fixtures in the Premier League as Man United are about to experience.
0: Do, do you expect Chelsea to come out kind of all guns blazing, uh, kind of attacking football? Given that, I mean, from United's perspective, I don't know. I, I expect them to sit back and be disciplined again, even though they're at home, even though you know they, um, you know, they might not score a little goals. I expect United to do that. So, do, would you expect Chelsea to to just come out all guns
1: blazing attacking? Wouldn't say guns blazing, but I think. What you will see is you, you might see a genuine striker start as they. Didn't. Eden Hazard was great against Barcelona, though yeah. in kind of the, the false nine role, though. He was excellent, um, and that could be a similar system that he looks for Old Trafford. But I think with Giroud and Marata nicely rested, Marata obviously needs to prove his fitness, but I think that's a that's a nice option to have, especially if United are going to sit on the uh, on the back foot. Certainly lends itself to somebody like Giroud, who against sides which aren't going to risk a high line he can have some joy there that was maybe why he was left out against Barcelona very difficult for Giroud to influence the game when he can't spin and turn into the space behind because of the recovery pace of the likes of PK and Mtt so I think it's a it's a fascinating game I think Chelsea will be marginally on the front foot despite United being at home and I think Mourinho knows the, the significance of this game lose this one and I think suddenly all that goodwill from signing the new contract, the Pogba uh, dilemma, Sanchez not starting seamlessly either. I think it's it's huge basically and by the same token it could quickly reverse again for Chelsea if they lose.
0: Um, Standing in Chelsea's way in the United goal is David De Gea and I'm only mentioning him simply because of that save against Sevilla um, which I just think we, we have to mention. Just an absolutely Unbelievable stop, wasn't it? So, one of the greatest stops of all time.
2: Um, I, I, I think it was a great save. It was a fantastic save. One of the greatest of all time, perhaps not, not even his greatest this season. You know, not oh, even amongst his greatest this season. You know, I think he's been. I mean, perhaps some slight bias here, but when I watched him in that game against Arsenal, when he was clawing everything out of everywhere at every angle that was just one of the all-time great goalkeeping performances in the history of the Premier League and um, yeah he is in the kind of form right now whereby United's defence is not you know you have the whole Smalling-Jones sort of conundrum there but with someone like the Hare behind them those problems are not quite as pronounced as they might be but yeah he is in great form and Chelsea are going to have to Really have their shooting boots on if they are going to get past him.
0: Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see if there's any Real Madrid scouts uh, at the game because obviously Real Madrid have been in the market for a new goalkeeper for a po- approximately 150 years now. Um, mm. It seems like anyway. All well, that so often it seems like we're writing about mm. um, those kind of the the, the Hale one, but Thibaut Courtois is also you know widely linked with Real Madrid. It's mm-hmm. um, still expected to sign a new contract at Chelsea.
1: Yeah, it looks like. Um Courtois is edging towards that new deal, but uh, we reported yesterday, John Cross' story, that he um, is being sort of encouraged to delay that decision as such. Uh, we talked about how Chelsea have basically done everything they could possibly do to persuade Courtois that his long-term future is at Chelsea. They obviously chose him a long time ago now, um, ahead of Petr Cech, despite his legendary status at the club. They ditched um, Cech's favourite goalkeeping coach, um to satisfy him and he had a sticky sticky patch of form um, but this season he's sort of pretty close to being back to his best I think he's a different style of goalkeeper to De Gea won't necessarily produce those eye-catching highlight reel saves but I think you saw against Barcelona this is a goalkeeper that can dominate a game he can he can basically help a team tactically lean towards one way or another because Conte's positional like setup was so good, mainly because uh, Courtois dominated his area. Barcelona were essentially null and void when they were flying crosses into Luis Suarez. He's really calming when he, when he can claim that ball, and, and also as a quick release to Cesc Fabregas, actually, his distribution is, is sort of improving. So there's a couple of world-class goalkeepers that I'm sure Real Madrid would like one of them to replace Keylor Navas, but... I think um, both clubs are going to do everything they can to sort of tie down their long-term futures.
0: Yeah, Manchester United against Chelsea will take place at two fifteen. I think it's two fifteen. It's so right, mm, yeah, because it, of the it, cup it, final. Well, yeah. well, I think I think, it's the, I think it's the middle game, isn't it? Mm. I think there's, oh. uh, there's a, the uh, Palace Tottenham game is on mm. uh, before it. But yeah, about two fifteen that is on Sunday. Before we move on to the other fixtures, let's get your score prediction, guys. Uh, Jack, I'll go to you first. Uh, Man United Chelsea, where are you going?
1: I think it will be one one. I think it's it's a result which doesn't necessarily hurt either side and also sort of keeps it nice and tight in that top four battle I think both teams know that if they take a point they can move on to that second and third difficult fixture in this tricky run for both teams and they'll
2: lick their wounds and come again yeah. Ibra? Um, I, I think that result against Barcelona the other day will really sort of galvanise Chelsea and sort of really sort of Almost getting them back on track after that sticky spell they had a few weeks ago, and I think they're going to go there and really try and win the game. Whereas with Mourinho, you're never sure. I think when he goes into these big games, he sets up trying not to lose, and ultimately, I think, like in the reverse fixture, Chelsea might just catch them out. And I think I'm going for a 1 0 narrow 1 0 Chelsea win. I think.
0: Fair enough. I, was, I say we've got three different predictions here because I, I think United are going to beat them at home. So again, okay. very narrow. We've all got very narrow games very narrow games but uh, i think Anders. that's it. yeah <laughs> um elsewhere in the premier league this weekend um well, we've just mentioned Palace-Tottenham, we'll we'll go on to that because it's the it's the first game i think it's like a midday kick off at Selhurst park um, tottenham are a funny one for me because they had that kind of dodgy result against rochdale where they've been forced into an um, kind of a pretty unnecessary cup replay um but when it comes to the premier league I kind of feel like I've got no doubt they're going to make the top four. There's just that I've got a weird feeling about Tottenham that you don't expect them to lose games. And even going to
2: Palace where it's tough. They've um, I don't know. They, they've just got something. They've got a bit of a bit of an edge about them. They're on a great run at the moment. I think they kind of there's a fear factor playing against Spurs now just because of the way they play their style of play. they sort of it's sort of a maverick style of play. Like they just go at teams. They they're really sort of quick and you know they've got. Obviously Harry Kane and the likes of Deli Alli, Son, who are just all just really exciting players who just never really go into hiding or sort, of, you know, you never not see them. They're not they're always involved in the games and some with someone like Dembele the way his form has been re- recently, they're a really tough team to play against. So yeah, they're on a good run at the moment and they're really good in London derbies at the moment it seems. So um, yeah, it be tough to see them dropping points away at Palace well it's away at Palace and Palace they kind of they have something about them when they're at home where they put the fear up teams almost but you know I th- I still think Spurs will come out uh,
0: Just quickly again on Spurs before we just briefly talk about Palace um, do they have a diving problem? I know, I know this is an argument that's come up time and time again now over recent weeks and obviously the Deli Alley penalty uh, which for me was a was a foul was a penalty um, but he did exaggerate. Is there maybe a bit of a problem there, or is are people maybe getting a little too carried away with? Uh, with
2: I'd say, I'd say people are getting carried away, definitely. I mean, it happen- It happens, and it happens throughout football until we sort of- until there's sort of any sort of football legislation that will make sure that all dives, exaggeration of contact, going to ground, easy, all that sort of thing is actually policed. Which it can't be because. You know, some a foul is a foul, isn't it? So if a guy goes to ground easily after he's been fouled, it's like, well, it's still a foul. So um, I don't think Spurs necessarily have a problem insofar as you know their players are always looking to dive. But there's a lot of focus on it now, and I think potentially that could be a problem for them in the fact that referees maybe opposition players are looking at them and thinking, right, these guys are going to go down easily, so. Maybe we approach them differently, and maybe we have they have a, a mindset when they're play up against Spurs, and you know maybe Spurs could end up suffering as, as a result, yeah. Yeah. not getting penalties when they deserve them, not getting more, any fouls if they deserve them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Palace, uh, from their perspective, uh, they obviously went on a great one. They were one of the form teams of the Premier League um, when Roy Hodgson came in, and they finally got a win and finally turned the season around. Uh, it's kind of gone a little bit stale again now, and. Uh, so, defeat against Everton last time out was uh, particularly disappointing.
1: Yeah, I think we all sort of assumed that they'd go on from that excellent run and sort of comfortably stay up. But I think the injury to Zaha and this sudden drop in form is is worrisome for for Palace fans, I think. Zaha is so crucial. He They haven't won a game without him since September 2016. I mean, that's a, a really long run. I think they need others to step up, but at one point ahead of one point outside of a relegation zone, and I think they can quickly get sucked into into a relegation zone again because sides around them are winning games. It's so tight in there. It's back-to-back wins are going to be like gold now. It's um, it's a really tough game again against a side like Spurs, who has, it uh, was said, excellent form. Moussa Dembélé is one of the most sublime midfielders in Europe, I think he's, it's fair to say. Everyone raves about the likes of Cruz and Modric and Thiago, players that can control a game, and Dembele has proven he can do do as well as anyone. He, he matched uh, the likes of Pjanic for Juventus, and I think uh, we've got one of the elite controlling midfielders there, and I think Spurs really are in the sort of form where they won't be overawed by that celest atmosphere and I think that's problematic for the likes of um, Palace because they rely on that home that home form to mm-hmm. sort of get themselves out of it and this bad run, if they mm-hmm. suddenly do drop in again, it's it's going to be hard to switch that momentum um, it's all about timing being the drop and they're just sort of falling a little bit at the wrong time but obviously without Zaha Hodgson's going to need to quickly reinstall that
2: faith that They can get out of this without him. They um, took a quite hit a couple of weeks ago when um, they lost, but teams around them—Swansea, Huddersfield, and unexpectedly Mm -hmm. Newcastle—all won. Not just managed to get draws, but all won games. And I think for them that was quite hit, and that sort of you know how that knocks them mentally as well when they think, okay, we've lost the game, but hopefully everyone else around us lose. So you know. They'll be going into this one hoping to pull off one of those unexpected results. But, yeah, I think we yeah, need it.
1: <laughs> with one point to Southampton in 18th and only two points uh, ahead of Stoke in, in 19th, it's, it's one of those where lost to Spurs and you, they're probably going to end up in the relegation zone because you just expect half the teams down there now to pick up wins. They've all changed managers, basically. So it's, it's going to be difficult.
0: Yeah, uh, there is another Premier League fixture Which is a top four contender Against one of the teams that are in this Kind of weird relegation battle that is Including 10-11 teams or whatever right now And that's Liverpool against West Ham uh, From Liverpool's perspective first um, It's been a really quiet week I feel like I've not heard anything about Liverpool Other than seeing Mo, Mo Salah go into a chippy yeah. and, uh, and, gra- and grab a fish and chips um, But uh, mentality There was an interesting interview Which I saw on the Liverpool Echo uh, which came from uh, their Blood Red uh, podcast uh, they spoke to a former managing director of um, of Liverpool about how there's been a changing mentality um, at Liverpool and they've understood and I, kind of what fans are demanding that's big money signings big names and it's actually maybe helped to take Liverpool to, to a new level Um I mean, I don't want to go into Arsenal, but is, is is this maybe something that other clubs need to to follow suit in? To kind of realise that actually they've got a feel good factor back because they're delivering what fans want. Yeah,
2: no, absolutely, definitely. I mean, um, that's the core of it. I mean, in sort of modern times, you get the feeling that a lot of clubs. We say it's the cliche that we all say that football clubs are run as a business and results are almost secondary to what's on the balance sheet, but. That talk of that, the idea of a change of mentality, where they are looking at actually, you know what, on the pitch is what matters first and foremost. That's paramount, and we should really be getting results because everything else will follow once we do that. So, um, yeah, I think you know it would be quite refreshing if clubs actually started to think about that and were open about it as well. Yeah,
1: I think uh, Liverpool have shown good signs lately, but I think we need to reserve sort of any sort of special praise until the summer because. The Van Dyke signing is a huge sign of intent, but let's not remember, forget they pocketed 142 million odd from the Coutinho signing, and I think Liverpool fans will expect all of that to be reinvested. So they will need to show they need to go again. Basically, sign a, an attacking player for 50, sixty million pounds and prove that they can give Klopp the backing. He, probably does need to mix it with City at the top of the Premier League because while they can beat anyone on their day, that makes them a huge threat in the Champions League Liverpool fans want this Premier League title and they're going to need depth and that's only going to come from setting out your still in the transfer market and giving Klopp some, some options to rotate throughout the season.
0: Uh, it's, it's West Ham visiting Anfield <laughs> uh, this weekend. Um do we give West Ham any
2: any kind of a chance in this game? I mean, what Jack was just saying there about Liverpool needing depth, I mean, their sort of levels of inconsistency where they tend to have these odd games, I think this could... This potentially is one of those ones where they slip up, not necessarily lose, but could end up drawing when everything, all evidence suggests that they should win. Um, the fact that it's West Ham, I mean... Um, David Moyes back at Anfield. I mean, he was there. He was at, he was at, at the rivals, Everton, for so long, and played so many games against Liverpool. And so he should know exactly what to expect. Um, his record against Liverpool has been quite poor. I think it was five wins in thirty. Although his last game there, the last game against Liverpool for Sunderland, it was at the Stadium flight Admittedly, it's a two-all draw. So um, potentially um, he might be encouraged by the fact that that extra incentive of playing Liverpool. I mean, we all remember famously when he was managing Manchester United and they absolutely capitulated at Old Trafford against Liverpool in that year. Liverpool almost won the title, so you know maybe he's got he's got an axe to grind there. You know,
0: possibly uh, with that one. um, Other fixtures across the Premier League uh, all take place on Saturday. That Liverpool West Ham game is a a three pm Saturday kickoff. Um, the early TV game on Saturday is Leicester versus Stoke.
2: Sneaky good earlier this season, the two all at the uh, Bet Three Six Five Stadium. When again, similarly, it was the early kick-off and everyone thought, oh, Stoke v Leicester, and uh, it turned out to be a very good game. So hopefully more of that this weekend.
0: Fingers crossed. If not, we'll point the finger at you. There you go uh, for uh, for giving us hope that you know there might be uh, there might be something of note there. Interesting one for Paul Lambert as well. In that game, he's now five games in. Uh, to taking over Stoke, he's only won one of them and that was against Huddersfield um, so interesting times for him uh, Bournemouth against Newcastle uh, both teams looking up uh, Bournemouth have, have propelled themselves to, I mean they might even be in the top half now um, I mean even though it only took kind of maybe two or three wins to, to get there, Newcastle great result against mm-hmm. Manchester United um, but inter- I say it's an interesting match for the relegation zone mm-hmm. as is Brighton versus Swansea which also takes place on Saturday, as does West Brom versus Huddersfield. Mm. Um, West Brom pretty far adrift now;
2: but I think it's about seven points. Um, I mean, is it? They're at home this weekend, Huddersfield. Uh, um, it's a must-win. I mean, if they don't anything less than three points there, and you got to think they're, that they're gone. pretty much gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd I agree I, with that. I think. Yeah,
1: and
0: uh, I say, and they have the blow of the the Daniel Sturridge injury um, mm. as Shocker.
1: well. Brighton Swansea is interesting as well because. For so long Brighton have sort of been in that sort of bottom mid-tier of the Premier League but they're not out of it and I think for too long this season they've avoided defeat at home. Too many draws and that will cost you in this league. They need to prove at home to a side that is around their level in Swansea. They've got to win that game really and show that they deserve to be in this league again next season.
0: Yep. Uh, the other 3pm kickoff on Saturday is Burnley against Southampton. Um uh, both teams probably pretty much need to stop their own rots. Uh, Burnley have been abysmal since mm-hmm. their their kind of great start, obviously barring the, the result yeah. against Manchester City. Um, the one or draw. Southampton are, I mean, they need their new signings to, to, to
2: new signings to start scoring goals. Curiously mm-hmm. Burnley still sitting seventh in the league despite this sort of drop off. I mean, that's, actually, that's just how a good, of how good their start was. They're
1: nine points off Arsenal and six, so they're like top of the. Top, the, the, best of the rest, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. or best uh, of the other rest because City
0: City. just quickly looking at the table, I know you've got the table right in front of you, there, Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, can Burnley get sucked into a relegation battle? Is it closing up at all? Or? No,
1: it's ten points they've got basically to from themselves to uh, Southampton in the relegation zone. It would be a,
2: it would be a monumental collapse a lot of factors there mm-hmm. you'd need Burnley to go into free fall and lose a lot of games and you'd be relying on a lot of teams below them to be picking mm-hmm. up yeah. points which yeah. I don't think will happen I yeah. think and, and you don't expect a Sean Dyche team to know
0: capitulate no. like that so uh, Burnley probably okay uh, one more fixture that we haven't mentioned um, is Watford against Everton actually 530 mm-hmm. kickoff um, Everton I have no idea what to expect from them in any game like they produced the win against Palace a couple of weeks back
2: but then they also produce like the performances like they did mm-hmm. against Arsenal, and they're just. Uh You're saying the same about Watford, almost. You know, I mean, before yeah. that Chelsea game, but who would have thought that they would come out and put in that kind of performance and get that kind of result? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, they're two very almost fairly similar teams. I mean, what's the difference between them in the league at the moment? It's uh, yeah, a couple of places, four points between them. Mm-hmm. Very fairly similar. it's yeah. ever and derby, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everton
1: are kind of sort of treading water a little bit. I mean, what do they do? They're safe, but they haven't got a great deal to play for. I think Everton fans mostly looking for a new manager next season. Can Analyse do enough in the remainder of the season to convince them that yeah. he can take them to the next level, which they hope to achieve under Koeman. Uh I think Watford as well. Like amazing performance against Chelsea. They were absolutely sensational. Um, it's going to be interesting. They're only four points ahead of the relegation zone, so they need to keep going. And um, They've got some really interesting players. Obviously, Jules Feu was looking like he might be about to burst into some form, which tops even that of Milan, and becomes the player that he he suggested he might be when he came through at Barcelona. And, and Cor- when he was at
2: Everton on, during his initial loan spell. Mm,
1: absolutely, and I think Ducori as well, really exciting player and probably a one of the very best players outside that top six and somebody that the top six sides can poach and yeah. fit into them next season
0: Yeah, no, Watford versus Everton promises to be a really intriguing game mm-hmm. and uh, that will do us mm-hmm. for our Premier League preview show um, if you are not subscribing already to the Mirror Football Podcast uh, you can find us on Audioboom, Spotify and iTunes uh, we'd very much appreciate it if you could leave us a nice five star uh, review and uh, a couple of comments there it would be very very much appreciated um, if you are looking ahead to the Carabao Cup final, we do have a separate preview which was recorded um, not too long before this one, uh, with the same lovely panel uh, and offering their insight ahead of that game. So you can find it on the kind of author pages, the master pages uh, for our podcast on any of those platforms. Uh, but until then, enjoy uh, enjoy the football weekend. Uh, some big games, so it uh, promises to be a good one. Uh, we'll be back next week, so uh, see you then.